0: Well, hi, everyone, and welcome back to CrossWires, the technology podcast that looks at the cool, the nerdy, the ethical, and all everything in between. And today, we are going where many podcasts have gone before, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Today's a good day to podcast. <laughs> uh, sorry, you saw I change the episode title. I thought, yeah, it's got to be... It's got to be that. Look, folks, I'm as many of you know, I am a huge Star Trek fan, huge Star Trek nerd. It was a huge part of my childhood and this week's returning guest. And, you know, it's always an honor when a guest comes back. I feel, well, I guess I haven't driven them away. Um, Gideon Mayhew <laughs> from the Icon Factory
1: is back. Yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, James. I really appreciate being back, especially to talk about Star Trek. I'm always up for that.
0: Yeah, I mean literally I it was I was reaching out on Master and I thought well, I'll just I'll just tag Gideon and see if he's interested like yeah, I'm up. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, twist my arm. No, no. No, no. Come on. <laughs> well, you see I was going
0: to like try all my charm to get Sean Ferrick from Trek Culture to come along but I couldn't find any contact details for him. He's obviously probably for valid reasons particularly hard to contact. So, but I thought, you know what? Let's get cuz it's very obvious you're a star trek fan from certain things and yeah so before we get into our talking points just in case anyone missed your last episode uh which by the way do go back and listen to or will link it in the show notes because it's an epic especially given everything that's happened since then but getting
1: quickly do you want to tell people a little bit about yourself uh, yeah, I'm a designer and a founding member of the Icon Factory, uh, iconfactory.com. And, uh, we've been designing and developing icons, user interfaces, apps, games, anything you can think of really for the last 25 years. Holy cow. Wow. So <laughs> and, um, I was on previously to talk to you about the whole stuff that happened at Twitter, unfortunately, and Elon. Getting rid of third-party apps, one of which we make, Twitterific. And uh, that was what we discussed last time. And thankfully, that is in the past indeed. now. So I'm happy to be over with that.
0: Was it weird, though, having to put – I mean, I have to ask, because we said we'll talk quickly about what's going on at, at Twitter. Was it weird having to push out an update that basically said, if you don't need your refund, can, can we not do it? Was it a bit of a – like pushing out an update that effectively – told people how much Twitter sucked?
1: Pretty much, yeah. And, I mean, I really have to say kudos to Apple for allowing us to do that. You know, basically for putting out an update in the App Store that did nothing more than allow people to say, no, I we don't need a refund. I honestly didn't think there were going to be that many people that would opt out of that refund for their annual subscription that, you know, they they couldn't use. But there were there were a lot of people, and you know, it's really humbling to to be a part of that, and I, especially since you, I mean, the only way the people would know about it is if they launched the app, yeah. You know, months after that, it didn't work anymore, <laughs> and found this message inside saying, "Help us out and say you don't need your refund." And uh, there were a whole lot of people that did that, and it was very very cool. It helped us quite a bit with that massive refund that you know we had to process and did apple facilitate the
0: opt-out then was that a thing that they made possible for you guys to do because i know tapbots um, did the same with tweetbot as well
1: yeah they did and again kudos to apple this i mean this whole thing was unprecedented really in the app store so I mean, usually when an app is removed that has subscriptions, there's a sunset period and users are allowed to slowly cancel their subscriptions so that they don't have to be a part of this. But because of Elon and pulling everything all at once, suddenly there was no sunset period for us or Tapbots or other third party apps. And so they put us in this unprecedented situation. And thankfully, Apple was very flexible. They helped us a lot. I, I really can't say enough kind words about them, you know, during this whole episode, um, with Twitter and, uh, that it, it helped a lot. And they, especially for a small company like us, it really did help. And I'm sure it helped tap pots as well.
0: Awesome. And look, let's just be really honest. Things have not gotten any better at Twitter. We lost more API stuff. Uh, we've lost, uh, protections for, uh, of, Well, protections on hate speech. Russian state accounts have been allowed back on. It It's a swamp.
1: Yeah, and then this week they lost their blue checks, their verified check marks. And so now anybody can impersonate anybody else. By just paying, uh,
0: what is it, $8? Um, Yeah. Yeah,
1: it's ridiculous. It's so bad.
0: Oh, my favorite one, though, my favorite joke I've heard this week is obviously – You know, thankfully, you know, no one was harmed, but the Starship explosion, someone posted (laughs) that space denied SpaceX, SpaceX API access.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Yeah. uh, And on that segue, All right. We, 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 I like, come on, that's good. That's, you gotta give me. That is good. All right. Yeah, it's good. All right. So, look, we should we should probably before we get into the tech. So, the idea today is we're going to talk about the technology of Star Trek and look at kind of maybe what has been inspired from uh, from Trek and maybe even the other way round because things certainly have changed a lot in what we see in Star Trek compared with, I mean, to spoil later on in the episode of the original series. But I guess we should probably talk. We well, we will try and keep this spoiler free. If you hear Star yes. Trek noises, it's because we couldn't. But Star Trek Picard Season 3. Wow.
1: It was great. I really enjoyed it. And and that's coming from someone who, I mean, I've always been a lifelong Star Trek fan, but I'll be honest, I did not really enjoy Picard Seasons 1 and 2, especially 2 and you know the whole time travel back to our time l a and it just they've seem to be struggling with with the plots on those and uh but man, this season is quite different. this season was awesome, and it's really what the show should have been from the very start. I wish we had had three seasons of this instead of you know what we had. Because it would have been so much better. It was very satisfying. Of course, the whole season was a love letter to Star Trek fans. It just was. I think we're all grateful for that. I know I am. I, I just, yes, it was a lot of fan service and a lot of Easter eggs and so many inside things. And, you know, Star Trek fans are just going crazy over what they did with it, especially long-term long next-gen fans. And uh, I'm absolutely, I'm perfectly fine with that because it was so much fun. It really was fun.
0: And just, you know, without spoiling anything, some of the things they did, the little things and the little nods. I I think one thing I want to say, the musical cues when certain ships were shown that maybe we haven't seen, and then little jokes about, Certain people may be destroying a certain enterprise.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: yes. C- can I ask you a question? When a certain person got into the helm position in the last episode, did you get nervous like I did?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's awesome! I, oh, there's so many of those little moments in in Picard season three too. They do it over and over again, and it's it's hard not to spoil it, you know, because there's so many of it, and you don't want it. You don't want to spoil it for people. I I want them to see, be able to see it and enjoy it the way I did. If you haven't seen it, it really is. If you love Next Gen, you have to watch it. You really do have to watch it. You'll love it,
0: and you can watch it to it I would say almost. I would say you probably don't, I would argue you don't need to watch season two of Picard. No. Season one might be helpful for some context on where certain people are at. I'm, I'm more a fan of season one than season two. I enjoyed season one. But yeah, but you can watch Picard season three standalone and certainly in the UK, it's on Paramount Plus. I think that's true in the States as well. Um, yes. Yeah. Paramount Plus is actually becoming. And what we've 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 strange new world season two coming out this August I believe Uh, June fifteenth June fifteenth thank you I hope that's the UK release date as well I really hope that is our date as well because last time we were so far behind it was untrue but we we will see all right let's talk about what what tech in our daily lives now is I, I think undeniably either inspired by or a natural, yeah, this was always going to happen. And I think, is it f- fair to say the first one probably needs to be the pad? P-A-D-D.
1: Right, from Next Gen. I mean, they basically are iPads. And, yeah, I, I, th- I, I it's pretty obvious that that is a direct line from Star Trek to reality. And it's as with anything, it's hard to say how much one thing influenced the other, but you can't help but see the similarities between the two. I mean, I, one of the things I've done in, you know, as a creator is I've, I've made interfaces for iPhones and, and iPads and using those devices as the basis for those, for those futuristic interfaces. In this case, you know, the, the L cars uh, interface from next gen. They just look like they belong on those hardware. They look like, you know, that's what they, they, they should manifest. They're so well designed. Mike Kuda is the one that designed those. And he's always been a big inspiration of mine. It's easy to draw comparisons and see the, the compelling nature of that hardware. But yeah, yeah, I mean, there was even a form of a pad back in the original series, you know, those, those big, I got the gray things that the yeoman would hand to the captain and so them. Oh, and the, yeah, the lights. Yeah, the lights. Yeah. And the blinky lights at the top and stuff. Those are the early
0: pads. Can't be any worse, though, than the, whatever they handed to Kirk in Star Trek V with the big, <laughs> the big panel that read, was it like system failure or failure on it? Like, why was there such a big panel to say that the device had failed? Like, is that yeah. like, is that expected behavior? Is that is it like? Oh yeah, we know this thing's gonna fail because it's a very like because we didn't read beyond that captain's log. We didn't really see tablet like devices in the TOS movies.
1: No, not not a whole lot. No. And I, I mean, I think the first time I really remember a tablet-like computer in science fiction was in 2001: A Space Odyssey. You know, Pool and and Bowman are eating, and they're watching those newscasts from Earth. Um, there's like a a flat tablet screen that's resting on the table in front of them. Of course, those are really CRT screens inset in the desk and and everything. But you know, that was the I think that's the first. That's the thing first I can remember in science fiction of a, a thin, portable tablet like computer device um, that we use that probably eventually evolved into the, the tablet that we use today.
0: Really interesting. You know, and flipping franchises for a second, what I always loved is uh, in the Stargate franchise, because it was set now. They ended up using actual currents like so Stargate Atlantis was all based on Dell. So, you know, dude, you got a Dell literally in the Pegasus Galaxy. And but they were using, you know, like different tablets, but weren't I think we were using some stuff that, at first I thought, was oh, that a mod book? But it, it wasn't. It was some proprietary thing. Cause way before Apple created the well, I'd say way before. Yeah, a good few years before Apple brought out the iPad. I remember being very excited by the. Was it the Axiotron Modbook?
1: Mm, I don't remember that one.
0: Oh, I'll put a link in the show notes. It was basically converted, obviously, the white plastic, the plastic MacBooks. Someone converted it, put a Wacom digitizer in it, and made it into a tablet Mac.
1: Yeah. And it was incredible. I always loved the, the ebook. Remember the ebook from Apple? The, the green, the e, e-ma- e-mate. I think it was the, the e-mate. Mate.
0: I had one. <laughs>
1: that thing was like, I had a, I mean, I had a, a Newton message pad myself and I loved that thing. I, I adored that thing when, I, when it first came out and, uh, I took it. I remember the first time I took it to the grocery store. I had my shopping list on it, and I'm walking around in the grocery store with this fairly large piece of hardware in the shopping cart, checking stuff off with my little stylus. You know, like p-choo, 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 that little oh, poof sound oh, effect yes. that the yeah. Newton would make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I just thought that was the coolest thing since since sliced bread. I, I love my Newton so much.
0: To be fair, that would, pro- I mean, that is probably closer to those, you know, the, 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 big tablets that Kirk and Co had in TOS, but Yeoman would have, because that was clearly, if I remember correctly, that was pen driven. Right. So, yeah, yeah. The Newton would have been much more like those, which, look, I never got to, I had, I, well, I say I had an e-mate. I was loaned an e-mate to see if it would be useful for schoolwork because of my eyesight. It was, except for the fact that my art, uh, our school just refused to accept anything that wasn't Windows. Or for the first part, of my, oh. school, my first part, of my school career, Acorn Archimedes. So if it wasn't Archimedes or Windows PC, oh, I'm
1: so sorry. That that stinks.
0: And because, well, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but like around this sort of time, around the time, like, and certainly when the iMac came in, the iMac was hugely popular in U.S. education. And I think Mac mm-hmm. was much more embedded, wasn't? Like Apple Twos were huge.
1: Yeah. I remember in high school, my high school got a, uh, an Apple II GS Ooh. in the library and they had the um, Mac paint I, I, or Mac paint deluxe. I can't remember what it was. The one with the, it had King Tut on the box, King Tut's mask, the Egyptian mask on the box. And I wanted to, to use that thing. So I, I convinced my, computer science teacher to buy that piece of software for the school so that I could use that app, you know, and <laughs> I, just, just because we were, I nowhere else had a GS. I, I couldn't even, you know, imagine using it. And then their school got one and they didn't have any real software to run on it. So it was just sitting in the corner of the library doing nothing and i'm like you have to get this app i need to be able to play with this computer so bad and uh thankfully he did and man that that's probably where my love of computer graphics and stuff started fun memories
0: nice and it's it's really interesting as you said like we're going to talk a little bit about l cars ui uh in general track uh user interface later on but as you said l cars just uh, so just for those who don't know because this is a very nerdy episode Elkar stands for Library Computer Access and Retrieval System. I think I got that right.
1: Yeah, I think he did.
0: Wow. Yep. Okay. And it was introduced in, the, well, it was introduced in the next generation, but it's probably, mm, uh, it became Mike Akuda and his team did a, it started to form more in the, I'd say maybe what season three onwards. Cause season one and two had some very odd UI and we, we can talk about that. But see, again, seeing the pads and seeing the different size of the pads, like the, you know, the little, iPad mini-esque pads. I remember big ones that, you know, you see like Jake Sisko writing his novels on later on. And it, it was incredible. And it was amazing to see different cultures within the Star Trek universe have different tablets.
1: Yeah, they. And they but the thing that was really cool about it was the concept of cloud computing because the, the hardware, like whatever you were working on wasn't tied to that th- Device, it was always coming from the ship's computer. You would, you would tie into the, to the library system on the enterprise or Deep Space Nine or whatever and pull up the information that you needed that was stored in the computer core. And then you would either browse it or edit it right there on the pad itself. And I think that's, that was pretty revolutionary idea. I don't know actually when cloud computing started. So I may be talking out my ear, but. It's definitely, definitely influencing there.
0: I think you. I don't think you're. I don't think you're wrong. I think you've hit the nail on the head because, well, first of all, let let's. I mean, at a very basic level, something that thin with a color color screen, wireless connectivity, Wi-Fi was not a thing at the time these were shown. Like, right? You know, I think maybe IRDA at the most. It's infrared. Bluetooth certainly wasn't a thing. And he said, this is not the processing power. is all in those massive ship's computer cores. And, you know, in Madge Barrett's beautiful voice, you know, but that human interface. And I just, uh, you know, you see someone with multiple pads and it's almost like they were bits of paper. Whereas I guess now we don't really do that. We have one iPad. Well, maybe some of us have more than one. Um, I only have the one. By the way, folks, I'm, I'm just just saying. Um, but and we'll switch apps now. I have to ask because this is obviously mostly a joke. Do you think the app store survived into the 24th century?
1: <laughs>
0: I would say not. No, no. <laughs> you don't. You don't think Starfleet went the Apple model? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Side
1: loading is the thing of the future. <laughs> <there>. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, but it, well, it, but it would have been, you know, distributed apps, wouldn't it? Like, again, it would have come from that, that Elkar's cloud, as it were. So, very, very interesting. But what, I mean, it was interesting, though, at the same time, that you had the pads, but in TNG and DS9, communications were handled by big, bulky units, not by. I don't think I ever saw a, unless I'm wrong, I don't think I ever saw of an instance of a, uh, of a video call of some kind on a pad. It was always on most no. laptop like devices.
1: I think that's probably the limitation of the production of the show. True. They wanted to, you know, have video conversations on large view screens uh, of the ship or uh, of the station. Um, I mean, Picard did have. Video calls on his desktop computer. Yes. And in his, in his ready room, which were, which was interesting too. When you think about it, if you go back and watch the, those old episodes of next gen for the 23rd, 24th century, that, that thing on his desk is really bulky. It's very thick and the screen is it's at least two inches thick. Yeah. And, and it's not this like hologram projecting, you know, no bezel, no chrome kind of thing that just sits on your desk. It's this like blocky, laptopy thing, you know. So that that wasn't very future forward looking, you know. Of course, since then, you hardware has become pretty much non-existent. Everything is projected into the air. Yes, uh, in in Picard, all of the controls are holographic or virtual or HUD, and uh, there is very little actual screens but then they come to Picard Season three and they do this awesome man I just fell in love with it. On the USS Titan, the ship which most of the ship the story takes place, all the screens of the displays and the graphs and everything are built into the into the consoles of the ship and they actually curve up onto the walls they go from the desk surface to the wall surface and they curve as they as they go up they don't there's not like this hard break from the horizontal surface to the vertical surface and not only that but the the graphs and the information displayed also travel across that curved surface up to the side and i just that blew me away i was just in love with that and uh Okuda explained in, on his Mastodon and on his Twitter and that that was very intentional and that he he worked closely with the production team there to design that and create that. And so much so that the entire closing credits of Picard season three is Mm. all loving. Passes and pans over these El Cars displays. Oh,
0: with so you know, many Easter uh, eggs and oh. Yeah,
1: filled with Easter eggs, filled with them. And, and of course, they're slowly actually revealing the plot of season three as, as they're shown, you know, from week to week, we don't understand a graph or a bit of data. And then we see an episode and it makes sense. And I, I love that, like that foreshadowing. Of of the series this year, it was just really masterfully done,
0: there. beautifully done. And Mike Michael Acuda is and and his wife, uh, I believe his is it wife Denise.
1: Yes, Denise.
0: They, yeah, Denise. Those two between the two of them. I think Star Trek Encyclopedia behind me. This is their book. They wrote this <laughs>
1: right. Yep, they wrote that.
0: It's it's a good yep. book. That's a proper hardback. I've I've swapped out the retro coloring book for this episode, folks. B got oh, sorry, Neil. I I know. I I I will. I owe you a beer in a couple of weeks. All right. Let Let's move on to communications because we just talked about this. Now, look, TOS obviously had Lieutenant Uhura with that big silver thing in her ear. If that ain't a and Bluetooth, that, yeah, right, all right. I mean. Cause I think me and you are both of a, the a, a, a vintage, shall we say, where we remember the first generation of Bluetooth headsets where you looked like an absolute idiot. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yep. I think I had, I do remember that. I had a Jabra headset, where you literally, I think it was silver. Again, wireless, you know, wireless um, audio, wireless headphones, wireless monitoring. I am I'm, I'm I'm wearing wired headphones because that's just a ch- a choice I made but I mean these by the way um like genuine like so I my in-ear headphones broke I went to a local pawn shop you know like the exchange shop and found a pair of classic Sennheiser HD 202s for 5 pounds folks so I'm over yes. the moon at, the, at those. but Wireless audio, wireless communications. I mean, you know, we go from a flip communicator to com badges. And I, I gotta think, I mean, you can buy. A combadge like Bluetooth thing, can't you? that you actually, yeah,
1: that you can take calls with and speak through. Um, is is awesome. One of my friend Troy Gall, he got me a few years ago. He actually got me a Bluetooth communicator. That's the original TOS communicator that you can connect to your phone and take calls and everything with the communicator from Star Trek: The Original Series. And I have to say that that was probably the nerdiest thing, but also the coolest thing. I, I love that. To death. So yeah, you I mean there's there's gadgets now for everything so you can feel like you're in Star Trek and it's awesome. I you speak of those bluetooth headsets. Do you remember that episode of Doctor Who where the whole world was taken over but based on they were like their their bluetooth headsets had like an alien signal yes. transmitted oh, into the, them, Cyber,
0: the Cybermen episodes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes
1: yeah. Cuz <laughs>
0: you, gotta, you gotta, I mean you got to wonder. Well, I mean but the scary thing is but now our, our wireless headphones have... I mean, look, I have had AirPods. The fact that our wireless headphones now have our, our voice assistants in them. I mm-hmm. mean, y- you know, going back to TNG where they tap the COM badge, you know, computer, where is Commander LaForge? Commander LaForge is not on the Enterprise. Right. You know, or... You know, where is, you know, or, or what, you know, the, the internal comms, you know, Picard to Riker or, and I always wonder, like, if you're, how would you have a private genuine question here, which I've never really understood if you were wanted a private conversation remotely, how would that happen? Cause like, would everyone hear your com
1: badge? I would assume so. Well, in next, in next gen, you had to tap it in order to activate it. And, you know, initiate something, but it was, Star Trek was very unclear about that because sometimes they would just be standing on the bridge and they would say, computer, where is commander LaForge? And the, and the computer would respond. Other times they would tap their comm badge and make the request. And I think that the, you know, they're trying to work their way through the, that kind of, what is the protocol for the, the voice assistant, the computer on the enterprise and how does it respond Uh, And that I think is some of where we have come to closest to star Trek. Yeah. The whole notion of Alexa and Siri and voice assistance in general, helping us. I I, I, speaking of that, I just triggered Siri. I'm (laughs) not sure I
0: understand.
1: Yeah. I mean, they're always listening. They, They are always listening. And, it's kind of spooky, it, um, but it's also super cool. I love being able to just get up from my seat in my living room and walk into my bedroom, and as I'm walking, I can say so and so turn off the lights, and the lights turn off. Yeah, and that is that is just that's Star Trek to me. It's so Star Trek. It's great. But I mean, we
0: you know talking about you know where is Commander La Forge. You can ask Siri if you've got find my find my family or find my friends or you know family sharing enabled. You can ask Siri where is. Hang on, making sure I don't trigger this. Where is such and such a person? Where is you know uh, my mom? You know my my partner? And it's very cool. I love. Hang on, let me see if this will work. Hey Siri, turn on my bedroom light. There we go. And you can see the light. Like literally, I mean, it's wonderful. And this is. You know, being able to ask weather reports, be able to ask your email and stuff, uh, for your email. I, uh, Siri has its flaws. Right. But, and, and look, this leads us on nicely to, we're talking about these voice assistants. Like, you know, obviously in the series, the, the, cause it's very interesting where you go from, for me at least, you go from the very robotic computers in, TOS and the TOS movies to the Enterprise computer, in and, and of course, you know, the Defiant, uh, Voyager, everywhere else in later later seasons, where that's an intelligent discussion, you know. And things like, please, what is it, please do not address this unit in this manner. And then you've got, you know, Sonia Gomez being polite to the computer just before she spills hot chocolate and starts feeling yeah. up, feeling <laughs> yeah. up Patrick Stewart, you know, like,
1: yeah. Yeah, in Q who that was one of my favorite episodes.
0: Oh yes, because that's a that's a Borg episode, The first Borg episode. Yeah, yeah,
1: the first Borg episode. Yeah, Yeah, I I think that the it's fascinating. Like with the advent of Chat GPT and what that is adding to the mix of the potential of voice assistants, one thing that I've always noticed, like. There's that next gen episode first season. It's called one one zero zero one zero zero one where Picard and Riker get fooled into stake sticking into the in the holodeck while these aliens called the binars kidnap the ship to to help help save their planet. And they program the holodeck to be alluring to both Riker and Picard so that they stay in there. Once they they realize that they shouldn't be in there, they come out and the ship is at red alert and the, the holodeck opens and Picard starts asking the computer, all of these queries in a row, like, why are we at red alert? And what happened? And what is the current status? And where is so and so now? And you know, so on and so on and so on. This, this little scene of him talking to the computer that way is like the holy grail of v- a voice assistant technology. They want to be able to have context or contextual conversations and queries so that. You start with a question or a query, but then every other query after that is related or in some way in the context of that original query. And so you can continue that question, that line of questioning to find related issues or interconnecting issues that are not necessarily direct questions. You know, like the first question is, why are we at red alert? And the computer explains it. It's like, is that the case now? or what has changed or blah blah blah. And the computer knows what you are talking about and it actually responds accordingly. That has not been possible to do that kind of thing with Siri or Alexa. To to chain queries that are seemingly unrelated, but in the context of the conversation, have them make sense. And now with the advent of chat GPT and other artificial intelligence systems I would argue that it is possible. Mm. I would, I would say that you, because if you go talk to chat GPT, you can carry on a seeming conversation with it about totally unrelated things. And yet the responses seem connected. They seem to make sense. It's fascinating to watch how this evolves. And I'm really curious to see if Apple or Amazon. Or or Microsoft or whoever takes advantage of it and plugs it into their voice assistance. I hope they do to take the best parts of that and leave the rest.
0: Yeah. yeah, I hope they do. But you know, and um, I have I at this point I don't know what order episodes are coming out in in terms of our this show. But we talked to that. We talked with Dr. Catherine Fleek about. You know, the ethics of that. And what about the, the, what about your private data that you'll be maybe passing into it? We, we actually look at that. So it's great to look at. Yeah. This is a really positive thing, but then also go back and balance that. You know, what, what do we need to be aware of? So it's really interesting to, to talk about that. And yeah, as you said, they had full on conversations with the, with the computer and that ran through all that sort of TNG and beyond either, you know, and obviously it's very interesting again. The way that voice interfaces worked in different sci-fi. I mean, obviously the prime example being HAL, right? Who I, I believe had a little running with with um, Phil Schiller one time. I think. Uh, oh yeah, yes. and
1: the, the commercial. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yes. The Apple commercial. Yes. Yep.
0: That made me. That made me smile. Well, wasn't it on stage as well? Didn't we have him interacting with?
1: Yeah, with Mac at Macworld or yes. something, if I remember correctly. I'll find the, yep. the
0: link, but then, you know, again, we go, but there's one thing I want to ask you about with, 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 um, voice interfaces in in Trek. And it is again, mostly sort of like a looking at how things are, but you know, you go back to the original series and particularly, you know, I think of Star Trek Free, you know, where computer requests security access, you know, and it's a very, specific code word response, isn't it? It's not, they're not saying, Hey computer, we want to blow up the enterprise, you know, this beautiful refit refit ship, you know, because Klingons about to board it. Spoilers for Star Trek three, by the way, I'm sorry, but I still get a little, little emotional when I see that ship go up. (laughs) Yeah. There's a few things that get me like,
1: you you are dying. Gets me every time. I I hate it when Natasha dies. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that was such a shame because she was, I mean, it. Uh, fun fact, di- I, I mean, I'm sure you already knew this our Listeners, did you know that her and Marina Certis were originally auditioned for each other's roles?
1: Yeah, I think I did know that, yeah. It would have been interesting to see her as Yar and her as Troy.
0: Yes. I don't know
1: how that would have gone.
0: No, it would have been very interesting because th- that was one of the speculations, by the way, for season three of Picard, that it was going to be, oh, um... What's her name? Um, her Romulum daughter?
1: Oh, S- Seska or S- no, not no Seska? But uh,
0: cell. S- uh. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh, you <laughs> have to look this up now. Our geek credits is falling. It's bad. We but we knew Seska. Um,
1: yes, from Voyager. Yes, that's from Voyager.
0: Yes. Oh, uh, cell. It's cell. I'm gone. Yeah. Please stand by. I should know this. I really should know this.
1: Sailor. Commander that's, Sailor.
0: Commander Sailor, that's it. Who yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I mean that's a whole we've there was rumours that she was going to be the main villain in Picard Season three. But obviously hmm. that didn't turn out to be the case. Let's let's look over But speaking of codes and stuff, it all obviously is someone who is a bit of a security nerd as well. At first you think, okay, codes like I mean, joke joking about zero 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 destruct zero or all those codes, you know, or one six three zero nine, passwords and authentication codes in Trek are always a fascinating one because people say, Well, okay, Picard four seven alpha tango. Right. Not a particularly secure password, especially if you know you've got people hearing <laughs> hearing it, right? Right. Or or you know, was it uh Crusher Crusher 22 beta Charlie and War 37 Gamma Echo from First Contact. But I might be wrong here. I'm going to make an assumption that it it isn't just the phrase. It's the biometrics on the voice. Yeah,
1: of their voice. Yeah. Totally of their voice. Which you can there's a couple episodes of Next Gen where it has to be that person speaking the code and then there's the one where Data takes over the Enterprise and he impersonates Captain Picard in his voice and speaks that extremely long, drawn-out code to encrypt the computer. Yes. The, the one that's like 50 digits long. I don't know how, how long it took – Uh, Patrick Stewart to record that line of dialogue, but it had to have been absolutely nuts. Him just saying digits 0555692525, you know, over and over. Oh my God. At that point, at
0: that point, Brent Spine is thinking, I'm very glad that that's not my line.
1: Yeah, but he still had to lip sync it. That's oh, the geez, thing. Like yes. You had to lip sync it, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> it's crazy. And, but even, your point is well made because even if it was biometrics, as we see now with deep fakes being extended to audio of people's voices, it's, it's becoming increasingly easy to impersonate someone, both their appearance and their voice. The, the voice of Darth Vader in uh, Obi-Wan recently the obi-wan series on disney plus uh was not james earl jones it was it was it was computer generated it was uh that deep fake audio technology you would never know it i mean it's just a, a really really good approximation of james earl jones's voice the same uh for mark hamill's voice on parts of the mandalorian and the book of boba fett oh wow when you hear luke skywalker speak it's not it's not mark hamill his voice has changed uh, it's
0: changed so much he can't
1: do right yeah right so they're using technology to generate that dialogue from those actors and make it appear that it how they did when they were that age. Uh, And um, it's becoming scary. Good. It is very good.
0: Now, interestingly, I I was thinking about this for the, the bit in the last two episodes of Picard where a certain voice is heard again. I don't think that was deep faked. I think, um, again, try not to spoil. I think the audio was actually from chain of command. I think it was actually the – I think that is from when Jellicoe handed back command to Picard in Chain of Command. I think that
1: may very well be. It But don't forget, too, I don't know if you're aware of this, but Majel Barrett recorded, like, hundreds of lines of extra dialogue before she died. Oh, um, She worked with the producers to record – like, they gave her pages and pages and pages of stuff to record as the comp- enterprise computer so that they could use her in the future if they needed to. She agreed to do that, and she did it. So they have yards of stuff of her speaking that we'd never even heard or they've used in anything. Um It could be part of that.
0: That's interesting. Okay, I might... Yeah. And it's, it's really scary, but I mean, cause in parts of TNG, uh, you go back to maybe like, I think first season where they're about to blow up the ship and Riker and Picard put their thing, put their palm prints down. And in, is it the adversary in DS9, final episode of season three, where, um, Cisco's just been made captain and the defiance taken over by a changeling. Ev- Kira and Cisco have to put their palm prints on the defiance computer on a, on a very different note. Stop. Let's just be honest. Starfleet security is not that great because there is an episode of, (laughs) okay, there is an episode of deep space nine where somehow Quark, a known criminal is allowed to board the USS defiant to go and visit wharf. No security checks, no nothing. He's just somehow able to go on that ship. The most heavily armed Federation starship in the sector, and Quark could just walk on the thing.
1: Yeah, it's all in service of the plot. If the plot requires something, then security can suddenly be lax. And uh, if the if if people have to be kept out, or they're some kind of threat—a Borg or something—that can't be, then all of a sudden the shielding is impenetrable. I love that in the there's the that one episode of deep space nine where they're the dominion is attacking the station and they're the station has been armed with to the hilt with photon torpedoes and everything and they're firing back at the dominion and they're destroying them with one shot you know no shields or anything they're just like pew 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 and the dominion ships are blowing up and and all of a sudden uh wayu's like What's going on? Our, you know, Federation has never been able to withstand our shields, blah blah blah, and they just explain it away. Like I've never, I've never learned never to underestimate the Federation. So, like in all the previous seasons of Deep Space Nine, the Dominion was unbeatable, yeah, and you know their shields were impenetrable and blah blah blah. But in this one episode, all of a sudden, the, the the Federation can penetrate their shields and start destroying them, and that's just yeah the story
0: no but hey at least you get beautiful lines from jeffrey coombs and mark uh, mark alimo i mean oh man yeah those two together and then i would argue also once you get casey biggs in as damar with Wayoon. oh sorry very yeah. nitty i didn't realize until recently by the way of course that he was uh that him and um roxanne roxanne biggs dawson is because she was married to him
1: Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that.
0: So Bilan Torres was married to, um, which is the ultimate irony, isn't it? Bilan Torres has been married to a Cardassian in, <laughs> yeah. Anyway,
1: that's great. I did not know that. So, but
0: it's, it's, and, and security and, and the whole thing. I, I do have to wonder what password managers they
1: use in Starfleet.
0: <laughs> I really hope it's one password. I really hope like, <laughs> they
1: need, they definitely need longer, more, more, strong passwords in star trek i think that goes for everything especially like star wars too like i love that a droid can just want waltz up to a console any console in, in an imperial complex input itself and then like learn all the data that it wants or turn off the trash compactors or anything else any kind of request that a, a random droid out of anyone with no security clearance whatsoever, they can just like do, 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 do. yes and then the, you know like, everything's cool
0: have the empire have the imperials not heard of 802.11x you know authentication <laughs> radio servers
1: office <laughs> what is up with that which just, just so funny <laughs> you know
0: i mean well, to be fair to be fair the jokes around you know the, the destruct sequences uh do i think it's in season two of picard they make a whole joke about the, the codes and uh, you know and it is funny because, but of course, at the time, you know, it, it was secure. That whole idea. I mean, in in uh, Star Trek Two, you've got Kirk scanning his retina. Of course, it wasn't
1: right. You know, it was a big deal at the time, though. Retinal scans and stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like, um, that, yeah. I mean, now we've got face ID, and I, I think we're probably in a better position in some ways than, than Starfleet is security-wise, but. You never know. Now, moving on a little bit, because <clears throat>, there's one thing but always... I'm a big fan of the original series. To an, some, oh, let's be honest. Not all of the original series is, is great. There are some... No, no. But then again, not all of Next Generation is great. <clears throat> Code of Honor. That's,
1: that's very true.
0: Uh, yeah, some parts of Season 1 of TNG are, are not exactly pleasant watching, shall we say. But... When we look back and this is maybe brought into even more stark contrast with strange new worlds. And, and, and I don't know if you're a discovery fan or not. I know it's, it's a very divisive mm-hmm. show, but when we see the enterprise in the same time period, actually, well, before TOS, but with modern interfaces, how, how do you, do we just accept the fact? And I guess even maybe in the movies as well, certainly, you know, like, Wrath of Khan. And then my favorite one is Star Trek five. We have all touch screens and then six, we go back to push buttons because obviously something's gone wrong. Like the beta test didn't quite work out, but do we just accept it's because of the production limitations in the show or is there an, an in universe explanation that makes more sense?
1: No, I mean, I think there's always a tendency of Star Trek nerds. And geeks to want to explain those things and to try to reconcile it within the universe. The, the whole notion of the Klingons is a perfect example of that. How the Klingons have changed from the original series to the movies to discovery, which are really out there. Yeah. And now suddenly they've come back and they may look more in, in strange new worlds. They're going to look more like the Klingons that we're used to from Next Gen and the movies.
0: Which can I just interject, but which is very interesting, given what they try and do in Enterprise. They try and ex- right. They
1: explain the whole thing with a with a with a virus and genetic engineering and everything. That was totally an attempt from the you know the people who run Star Trek to try to reconcile those visual differences for fans. Was it successful? I don't know. So, yes, there's a tendency of nerds and geeks to want to do that. They want to make everything make sense. And and I must say I I had to reconcile it myself when when I watched Discovery and Strange New Worlds. And even to some degree Enterprise because the bridge of the Enterprise with Scott Bakula is way more advanced looking than the original series, but it's prior to the original series in, in the timeline, it's, it's, it's the first ship yeah. before Kirk's Enterprise. And so you have to kind of suspend disbelief, I think, to some point. You have to kind of go with the flow. And it just works better in your own mind. If you do that, I think I, I didn't, I don't mind it so much on discovery and especially strange new worlds because there's definitely an attempt to have a visual coherence with the original series. They're just not doing stuff out of the blue. The the, the bridge is similarly designed to Kirk's. They have these red railings all the way around the bridge. The, the controls make the same sound effects. There's the same audio cues that there are in the series. So they're definitely, you know, they're taking bits and pieces from what we know and love and combining them into something new. i it uh, brings me to the that one scene in uh, the Trials and Tribulations on Deep Space Nine when <laughs> Cisco and the group go back to the original Enterprise and they're walking around. And Dax is just standing there and she's looking at the tricorder and she's like, you know, running her fingers along it and everything. She's, I love classic 20, 23rd century design. I had one of these. Silver highlights. Yes, I had one of these. So, I mean – That and that line, that whole bit right there where Dax is like explaining the look of the tricorder, how it, how it was retro ish to her and the others, even though, you know, we know it doesn't make any sense. (laughs) You know, it, it, it doesn't make any sense in the timeline of the show, but they, there's a nod there by the writers to try and reconcile that. And. I love when they do that kind of thing. They do that a lot in Star Trek.
0: I, I do look, and Matt, I mean, look. We'll talk about some favorite Trek moments, but that is still oh, that, that the way they did that episode. And now, can I ask you, like, completely speaking of Strange New Worlds and Discovery? Obviously, the original Enterprise, the, the Constitution class that we saw in TOS, has a certain look to it, and. The refit in the motion picture and beyond certainly. So, I will be honest; that is prob- probably my. Mm, that is maybe my favourite version of the the, con- the Constitution class Enterprise. But I think I, I want to put this out there for folks: the job they've done in Discovery and maybe more so in Strange New Worlds of making it look like you can actually believe that is the same ship that Kirk took over. Mm-hmm. I think is incredible.
1: It is. It really is. I love it. I really love it. They have done an excellent job with the production design of Strange New Worlds. Every everything about it, the uniforms, the sets, the the ship design, the audio, all of that. It's just really you can tell that the people who are involved with Strange New Worlds love Star Trek. They love Star Trek. They grew up with Star Trek. The props are The phasers and the communicators and everything are just lovingly designed as odes and homages to the original series. But with a slight twist to modernize it and bring it forward, all of that is just so well done. Really, I I applaud them all the way around. I can't wait for season two. I
0: will say, this is my take, Strange New Worlds is exactly what I would imagine Star Trek would have been if a Pike pilot took off but was done now i can believe that that was the intent for star trek if that makes sense yeah yeah
1: yes i yeah i adored season one season one was just so good tour de force of star trek and so badly needed it's just everything about strange new worlds is my star trek i it's what i grew up with i love anson mount as pike
0: yes Uh, I,
1: i love Ethan Peck as Spock he's he's a great Spock he really is he and and the woman who plays Chapel too she's she's amazing they're all great they really are but they also have great material to work with and they come from a place again of love they know the significance of what they're doing no.
0: Yes. The only thing I'm, I, I was a little bit disappointed, but the new engineer did not turn out to be Mr. Scott. <laughs> that was my only, my only, but then again, I, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. All right, let's, let's move on. Cause I think oh, look, you're an interface designer. You obviously have worked a lot on app design. Yeah. I think we have to talk about L-Cars and its general You, I think maybe look at like the user interactions in L-Cars. I, mean, I think we need to look at L-Cars rather than maybe look at... Because we could do, get into a whole mile of the original series UI. Arguably, I think as you mentioned, Enterprise felt very much more as a um, an ancestor of L-Cars than obviously TOS did, but as we explained... But what is it, do you think, about Elcars? that just, what is it that makes it just this? I, I mean, I'm going to make a bold statement. Almost the perfect sci-fi UI, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. It, it's a testament to Michael Kuda that he, he's gone and designed this interface that is still being used 20, 30 years later in Star Trek. It, it, you wouldn't think that you really wouldn't think that it could stand the test of time and still feel futuristic it still feels like it is the future of interface design somehow and I don't know exactly what the answer to your question is one of one of the aspects of l cars that makes it is it's simple it it doesn't try to be too detailed like with these HUD displays you see in Marvel movies and things like that, there's like digits, little digits, digits everywhere, and spinning you know, things, spinning. Yeah, all that. El it, it, Cars doesn't try to be that. It's got these large, sweeping curves and bars of color that are very simplistic and ordered. And so, I think it's a it's a probably an axiom that says the simpler something is, the more elegant it is and the more forward looking it is. And I think that is what has helped it to stay feeling relevant through all of this. That of course, colors are updated all the time and typography is updated. And so that helps too. The colors that they were used on the original next generation enterprise bridge are not the same colors that are used in Picard season three, of course. So, And when I went to design my own version of L cars for iOS, I played around with colors and tried to find more modern colors. And every show has its own Color palette. Yes. Every Star Trek has its own color palette. Voyager has blues and grays, and so does Lower Decks to some degree. And and Deep Space Nines, there's a lot of pinks and tans and, and things like that because of more Cardassian ish colors than Starfleet colors. And the judicious use of those colors really helps to communicate what you're looking at because. The audience, that's all El Cars is about. The audience needs to see a screen and home in on the information that's relevant to the story very, very quick and ignore the rest. And it's all about quick communication, quick concept of the script or the plot. And that's all there is, you know. Other than that, everything else is just window dressing to help you feel like you're in the future. They do this a lot. And I don't know if you have you watched any of Star Trek Prodigy at
0: all? I need to. I have not yet. I've seen clips.
1: Uh huh. Yeah. And Prodigy has a lot of Cars ish futuristic interfaces where the crew inter- interacts with that. A lot of hologrammy kinds of things at its heart. It's also Elkars and but more futuristic. They pushed it more, um, but except, it's still beautiful. so beautiful. It's said
0: before, Picard, if I understand correctly. I, I, I don't quite know the timeline.
1: I think that's right, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and look, something just came to me as well. Other side, look, there are lots of really good sci-fi UIs. Um, we talked earlier about 2001 A Space Odyssey. I think that really, like, clean cut. I would argue mm-hmm. the Alien franchise UIs are actually very clean cut as well. Uh, we we on stream, we play Alien Isolation on a Friday night. And again, but very retro because it was based on what was available at the time. So they shifted like the Commodore pet, for example, into the timeline of, you know, into the future of, of Alien. One show that I think it's not that it doesn't do a good job, but it's interfaces and it's screens feel dated whereas TNG doesn't. And the only reason I'm saying this, and you'll appreciate this, I I won't take a screenshot of this,
1: but I know what you're going to say. I have an idea of what you're going to say. Yep. Babylon five. Babylon five. Yeah. Yes. They do feel way dated. And you can tell it's a, a 90s thing. It's totally all the bezel buttons, the, the 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 drop shadows on the buttons and the big chunky type and all of that. Yeah, poor, poor Babylon 5. Oh, my God. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and the neon lighting everywhere.
1: Yeah. They, they don't hold up well at all, unfortunately. No.
0: I mean, the, the show itself holds up. Like, the, the story holds up. Amazing. I'm a huge Babylon 5 fan. And I'm, Me too. Well, I'm very excited. If Joe Straczynski gets, gets his reboot, I want to see what happens. I really do. I'm very yeah, excited. Yeah, that'd
1: be great. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, the interfaces on Babylon 5 are just way dated. And I'm I i, I I'm not sure. It's just the design choices, I think, that they made on that show on the Babcom systems. Yeah. and things. They feel way old, and they totally date the show. Do you know what I think um, it
0: is? I think we have to remember what, at least in season one, what all the graphics were done on. A Commodore Amiga. (laughs) Right. And, and like that is what
1: in the, in the initial, in the early days of next gen, the interfaces weren't actually displayed on TV screens in the set. They were lithographs or they were printed out and they were printed and then put onto the 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 surface of the sets and lit from behind so they didn't have to actually come up with graphics that could work or press or interact with or anything like that. They could go beyond that. But I think the people of Babylon 5, they they actually did design things that had to be displayed on CRT TV screens on the set. And so that limited what they could do, like you're saying, with the technology of the time. Um, And it it shows the difference.
0: There's one example of where they had to update the graphics in the remasters of TNG. Because when obviously they did TNG, there's um is it um it's the neutral zone where they find the uh the uh the people frozen, you know, sent off into. If I, is it the neutral? It is the neutral zone where we find the survivors from what the 20th century, and we're going through one of the lady's ancestries or descendants, rather sorry. And in the on the original version, if you pause and like do a bit of enhancement. The names of a family are the first five doctor, either the first five or the first six doctors. That's been removed in the remasters because you can now see the Elkars interface. And I don't think they could get away with actually using the actors names. Ah, uh. so very interesting. I think it's time to have a little bit because look, I think it's been, I love Elkars right now. We want to give a little bit of a plug. If you want some great. L cars wallpapers for your phone, your Mac or your iPad. Oh, we come on. We did it. Like we got a, we got a support icon factory here. Um Walla, Wallaroo, is that the
1: right name for a? Yeah, Wallaroo, yeah. In the App Store, um search for Wallaroo W A L L A W W A L L A R O O. And um my L cars wallpapers are part of that. Uh if you want the full the full Monty, as it were, you can subscribe to our Patreon at icon at patreon.com slash icon factory, and you'll get a whole lot of additional things that are not available on, in the app store version. You get a red alert version and special wide, widescreen Mac display versions of L cars more variants and all of this other good stuff. I worked a long time on all of those wallpapers. They were a total labor of love. So I, I appreciate anyone's support of, of, Of our Patreon and and Wallaroo.
0: It is great to see people. I've seen so. And the the, the one thing I wish I um, didn't get shut down by uh, Parrot CBS, whatever they call themselves, um, is the Stage 9 thing where you could go on a virtual, you could go around the Enterprise D. And then there was a system, I think it still exists, but like a System 47 Windows app, which was cars that you could run. Right.
1: Yeah, on your computer. That was awesome.
0: And you could, you know, yep. eject the warp core and everything just felt, uh, L cars, like seeing, uh, but my great example as a final piece on L cars in first contact were the, the trio uh, unlocking the mag clamps on the deflector dish. Everything about that interface is just right. As in, yeah, it's achieving its goal.
1: Yeah, specialized for that particular point part, point in the story too. And again, all about communicating to the audience what is important, like what they're trying to do. They're trying to unlock the deflector dish from the ship. And so you can see on the L car's displays like locked, unlocked, the process of locking it or unlocking it. And that was the part that needed to be communicated clearly, quickly, in the point of, you know, these Borg trying to take out the 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 team and stuff. So again, kudos to Okuda and everyone else who works on that and designs it because they do their job very 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 well. I was
0: yeah, and there's so much we could we could talk about memory storage going all the way from uh, the original tapes to the Isolinear chips. Which I'm sorry if they are not if SD cards and memory sticks like uh, Sony's memory stick being a great example of what was clearly inspired off of uh, off of Isolinear chips right you know but we could spend but I think let's let's wrap things up with I think I've got to ask you as a fellow Star Trek nerd some favorite maybe some favorite Trek moments maybe maybe one favorite moment and one out, maybe one of, oh, I'll be generous one or two outstanding episodes that you really think define Star Trek from any Star Trek series from or any, a particular Star any Trek any Star Trek series whatever you it can be a pick a mix you can pick from yeah it's literally a free for all at this point well
1: one of my, I, I'm just going to go out and left field. I, I, there's a lot of things I, I love about the original series. And I, I have watched maybe the doomsday machine, maybe a hundred times from the original series. I love that episode of Star Trek so much, but just to be out of left field. So to say, I will, I will go ahead and say, take me out to the hollow suite from deep base nine, because that episode is, I, I didn't appreciate it as much when I was a, kid when i watched it at the time but i have watched that episode of star trek now i don't know dozens of times and i love it so much i just love it it's for those who don't know about it it's cisco gets challenged to a baseball game by this cocky vulcan captain and he he's he of course he has to take the challenge and so he recruits all of his crew to play baseball after two weeks of training in the hollow suite and none of them have played baseball except him and, and Jake, his son. Yeah. And so they, they have to learn how to play baseball. They have to learn the rules. They have to learn the mannerisms and all the stuff that goes along with baseball. And along the way, it's just a joy. It's like 45 minutes of, of a joy of a show. I love that episode so much. It's so light and fun. And <laughs> Aaron, Aaron as Nog and um, Max as oh, Rom, um, yes Rom, they are so funny. They are hilarious. They're all really good, but those <laughs> two in particular. And my Worf, you, know, <laughs> you know, like kill him. You know, he's like kill the get enemy. Him. Yeah, kill. Him. Instead of tagging him out, I want to kill. You know, you find him and kill him. And the uh, the whole episode is great. I love I love take me out to the hella sweet and the the scene that the scene at the end in the in the quarks bar yes where they're they're gloating to to the Vulcans. <gasps>
0: I love it. For me, in my episode, a great moment is Rene Arbejanwa practicing his umpire stuff in his office. Yes, rest in rest in peace, Rene and and Aaron. It's yeah. It's so sad. I mean, it's honestly so sad. I loved by the way in Discovery that they did give that little that little uh, tribute to Aaron. Uh but it was the USS Nog, which was uh, eisenberg class. Right. That was just beautiful. That was nice.
1: And, that was tragic when he died. It yeah, really was.
0: It was. And you know, but, I mean honest, for me, on a serious a serious dear I, I, I think for me. If I'm to pick two episodes, it's going to be uh, Best of Both Worlds in TNG, especially given, well, yeah, Picard Season 3 and Picard in general. Um, but then in DS9, it's a really tough choice, but I think it has to be in the Pale Moonlight. Oh, yeah, with, of course. With Sisko's monologue, Can I Live With Myself? Oh,
1: just. Great episode. Also, great Garrick episode. Um, yes. Andrew Robinson as Garrick shines in that episode, and I really wish they had brought him back for Picard Season 3. I was just holding my breath to see Garrick appear at some point in Picard Season 3, and I- Because you caught everyone else. That he didn't. Yeah, right? Everyone else, but not him. And no one really from- well, one person from Deep Space Nine, um, but- Oh, hang on. One? Really? Who- Mm, kind of from Deep Space Nine. Well, I mean, you have Worf, of course, Worf was on Deep Space Nine, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I was, I really wanted. We were talking about Cisco. Uh, Deep Space Nine doesn't get the love that any other series gets. I swear, even on even on lower decks and some of these other shows, they they do reference Deep Space Nine sometimes, but I don't. Have we even seen a Deep Space Nine character appear on any other Star Trek live-action series? I don't think so.
0: Oh, yes, we have. Yes, we have. Julian Bashir was in TNG.
1: Right. But, I mean, since those shows went off. Oh, since Like, like on Disco, or Strange New Worlds, or uh, Picard, or... No one from Deep Space Nine has appeared on those
0: shows. No, you make a really, no, I mean, I guess lower decks obviously had that whole, that whole episode. Was it just keep circling, just keep circling the pile? Like, that was beautiful, but that's, I I do consider uh, lower decks Trek, but it's definitely more off to its, it's not even off to its own thing. It's not meant to be seen. I don't even know. Is that even, no, I think that's unfair.
1: I think Lower Decks is canon. I think you can consider it canon. And they're going to do this Lower Decks and Strange New Worlds crossover this season. I don't know if you know about that. I did.
0: I don't know how on yeah. earth that's going to, because, like, what's, what's the setting there? Is it, like, as long as it's not like Visa Voyages from Enterprise where you've got them in the holodeck.
1: Yeah, I'm really curious to see how they pull it off. It's going to be great, you know. But yeah, Deep Space Nine doesn't Deep Space Nine doesn't get enough love. It just really is, yeah. It's the dark, the black sheep of the Star Trek family, and I really, we I, we all want to know what happened to Cisco. You know, we have no idea. There's Wesley's not, come back. Wesley's but Cisco back. hasn't, yeah. you know. But, but well, there's
0: non-canon stuff that Cisco is back, but whether or not, again, I treat is I guess what you call beta canon. Actually, it's it's book stuff in books. And I don't know if that's what actually happened. I would I'm. I'm waiting. Oh, wait! If we get this spin-off series that might be happening after the end of Picard, that could be a vehicle for him to return. Yeah, that could be interesting. Anything's
1: possible. It is. It's just, someone has to. Someone who's one of the showrunners has to decide that it's time for a Deep Space Nine return or reunion or mini reunion or whatever, you know, while some of these actors still are with us and, and can do it because then many of them have passed like Renee and Aaron. And, uh, so hopefully we'll get that eventually. Cause, really cause we lost
0: so. Cecily as well. We lost, um,
1: okay. Yeah. Oh, yep. that,
0: that was, that was sad. And, I am a huge Deep Space Nine fan. That was after the Next Generation. That was my trek. That's what I watched. I tuned in. I was delighted when Wolf turned up in, and we know why they did it—to boost DS 9s rating, and it and it worked. Right. And It did work. And I would um, I would say I'm, I'm with you. It's so Voyager. I liked Voyager, but Voyager. But okay, quickly the premise of Voyager: ship lost in the Delta Quadrant, low on supplies. Not able to do limited power. They threw that out the door about what, maybe four or five episodes in, right? Yeah, <laughs> and then what we did with they, the book
1: they and- do a lot of that. They did that with Enterprise too. Like the ship can only go warp five and can only go so far, but they ditched that and you know all of these things. They they as the, as the constraints of the story require, which I get. I totally understand that. You know that yeah.
0: Anyway, listen, Kitty, it's been such a play. I, I was looking, I've been looking forward to this all day because being able to, to, tr- uh, t- to marry technology and Star Trek for me is always, it, it's probably what got me into technology is Star Trek and, and certainly. Right, you know, and be able to talk to someone who's you know actually you know another threat nerd, and also someone you know who's been designing these UIs. Um, I doubt. Da- I don't know. I mean, I, since Michael Okuda is on master, I will make sure he gets a mention in the um, in the social post. And Mike, Michael, if you're listening, thank you seriously for all the, yeah. all the work that you put into L cars. It. I, I will say. You have someone here who has Elcars, cars like screensavers and uh backgrounds, and and would love the idea of a fully functioning L-Cars OS, like Apple. Get on that! Like is an April Fool's joke or something, you know. <laughs> I anyway. <laughs>
1: I, I All the interactions I've had with him over the years have been wonderful. I've talked with him a couple times on Twitter, and he is wonderful. He's a great guy. He's nothing but welcoming and accepting of fan stuff. And I, I Michael Kuda is just a star. He's a great inspiration, and I thank him, too. Everything.
0: Yes. And I think we probably also to give a quick shout out to, and I'm going to get the name wrong. Sternback, uh, not Rick, um, am I free? Mm-hmm. Doug Drexler and Rick, basically some of the guys who designed the ships because mm-hmm. some of those ships are just, I mean, uh, I could spend hours on this and we won't, but I'm just going to say <laughs> the Defiant class is a beautiful ship and Oh, yeah, just just everything. Yeah, anyway, right. Gideon, where can people find out more about yourself and more about the Icon Factory? Where can people find you on social? Obviously not on Twitter.
1: Not on Twitter anymore. <laughs> no, nope. um, you can obviously, you can get to us at iconfactory.com. Um, also my personal blog is gedblog, dot gcom And that has links to my Mastodon account, which is where I am now. I don't post on Twitter anymore for obvious reasons. So
0: it it would be, I mean, we, we don't look folks. Here's the deal. We are when we have guests on who still use Twitter. What we're going to do from this point forward is use knitter.com. If they really want to promote their Twitter, like we we try to discourage it, but at the end of the day, it's guest social media. We can't control what we're using, but we'll link through knitter.com and we'll try and encourage people to get on Mastodon. Um, but yeah, Gideon, thank you so much for your time. It's always a pleasure.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. You know, and if you ever want to talk about Star Trek ever again, don't hesitate. I, I, I it's probably pretty obvious at this point. I can talk for hours and hours and hours about Star Trek. I, I held myself back.
0: I'm impressed. <laughs> you know. I'm impressed that this is only a what one hour twenty minute actual raw recording, folks. Uh, I'm really? amazed we actually pulled that off. I like, yeah, and, and and ironically, I think it makes me smile. But when we talked last time, we said, "Oh, we need to get you back on to talk interface design and iconography." Well, no, the next time you're back on is to talk track, and that just makes me smile so
1: much. Uh, Thanks for having me. It was a blast.
0: All right, folks, we'll roll the outro. Thanks for listening to this episode of Crosswires. We hope you've enjoyed our discussion, and we'd love to hear your thoughts. So please drop us a note over to podcast at crosswires.net.
1: You can also drop us a comment on the post, or if you're a good pod user,
0: why not start a discussion there too? You can also join our new Discord server at crosswires.net forward slash Discord. We've got forum channels for each episode, and we'd love you to join the discussion there.
1: You can also follow us on Mastodon at crosswires at mastodon.social.
0: And of course, you can find the show in all the good podcast apps and all the really bad ones, too.
1: For more of our content, head on over to crosswires.net slash YouTube for all our videos and keep an eye on our Twitch channel at crosswires.net slash live our upcoming streams.
0: If you like what we heard, please do drop a review in your podcast directory of choice. It really does help spread the word about the show.
1: And of course, if you can spare even the smallest amount of financial support, we'd be incredibly grateful. You can support us at ko slash crossed wires. That is ko-fi.com slash crossed wires.
0: Until next time, thanks for listening.